0: Week nine is here and gone, and we are officially at the halfway point of the NFL season. This week, we'll take you through all the charts and a surprising upset from Joshua Dobbs as he defeats a much-loathed Arthur Smith. This is Stat Chasing. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs>
1: This is pop.
0: Anita hand, hand job. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play <laughs> oh, <boy>, chase. <laughs> this is Are you
1: heat. kidding me, <laughs> Tony? You? you can't handle the
0: heat. See, it looks like we're finally at this point. You're right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> Halfway point. Feels like just yesterday that we were just kicking off the season. Uh. My my best ball advance rates were near 50%. And now they're down to a piddly like 24, 25% across everything. But uh, there's there's hope on the horizon, Drico. We're potentially getting back uh, Devonta Chan after their bye week. Justin Jefferson is looking doubtful this week, but... I'm cautiously optimistic for all those Jefferson teams that I have that were looking so promising. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it feels weird that we're already halfway through the season. But uh, how how'd Week 9 treat you? Um, well, almost really badly because
1: uh, I just went to post the uh, that we're live, and um, I accidentally posted the StreamYard link instead of the, uh, the YouTube <laughs> link.
0: <laughs> That was very quick delete. A bunch um, of a uh, bunch of unexpected guests about to hop in the streamyard. <laughs> yeah, luckily episode. I I am able to like
1: add them, and uh, and 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 that wouldn't happen. But <laughs> would have been very embarrassing if we just like, not not that uh, not that you know I have that many followers on Twitter that it would just. You have like ten people, but
0: I—I I was gonna say we didn't get anyone with uh, with quick trigger fingers hopping in the streamyard queue waiting for you to add them. Yeah, no, uh,
1: no, unfortunately not. Um, <laughs> so how how did week nine go? Week nine was fine, and uh, I, I rolled back a little bit uh, in in advance rate in, in best ball stuff, and uh, no uh, no DFS or anything like that, and um, but it it was fine, and. Um, had, had enough co-comment, had enough, uh, uh, what's his name, the quarterback for Texans, CJ Stroud, uh, to, to kind of hold me over.
0: Man, I uh, my my stance this season heading in was that I really didn't want any of the rookie QBs other than Anthony Richardson. And I got so overweight Anthony Richardson in the big board when he was you know going undrafted in the last round. So that injury really hurt. I had a bunch of really strong you know, 18th plus round Anthony Richardson teams that I'm, I'm watching those uh, begin to fall by the wayside. And then the other side effect of I faded both the rookie QBs. I, I have like zero Bryce Young and I think one or two CJ Stroud teams uh, in BBM. So that's pretty painful watching CJ Stroud go out. I really want to root for the guy too. I, you know, I think right. it was week two I had the CJ Stroud's going to win someone a millimaker with like a, a CJ Stroud mega stack and you know Uticao You called it week... a vomit stack. Yeah, I mean clearly Which was brave.
1: Cow... <laughs> it was a brave call in week two that uh that somebody would win with it. And then it turns out it wasn't even a vomit stack; it was just a nut stack.
0: Yeah, it was it was the nuts. I mean Uticao is clearly a fan of the show, you know, had to had to play right. all the way back to week two. That's how he got onto that play. So um but, but yeah, week we nine sure. overall was just all right for me. Was really hoping for a big Brees Hall game um, on the island game there. Needed him for a couple uh, season long spots, and uh, just couldn't couldn't get it done. Zach Wilson is too heavy of a lead anchor, even for Brees Hall to uh, to push me over the edge there. But uh, enough about me bemoaning my teams. Let's let's go ahead and dive into the charts here. Got some fun stuff to look at for this week. So yeah,
1: QB passing efficiency and rushing production. We've got adjusted yards per attempt on the horizontal axis, like regular uh, regular yards per attempt, but uh, rewards as punishes interceptions. We've got touchdown rate on the vertical axis, and then the size of the bubble corresponds to uh, rushing yards per game. Anybody stand out to you this week? I know we we, we really have settled in on uh, sort of a stable chart here, but anybody standing out to you?
0: Yeah. I mean, CJ Stroud just is continuing to prove that he is him, you know, like he's, he's moving in the direction. His play has always looked like he had a a ton of potential. He's flashing. um, But with this, you know, eruption performance from this week, he moves into that echelon of Tua and Purdy, you know, the elite adjusted yards per attempt guys. He's still a little lower than them in TD rate. um, But, yeah, I mean, Stroud is, looks like an awesome NFL quarterback, super excited to watch his career. Uh, I mean, we can't not talk about Josh Dobbs. Um, who Josh Dobbs is like, I mean, now that he's on that Vikings offense where we've got, you know, JJ's return looks pretty inevitable, you know, hopefully next week. Uh, if it looks like this week is doubtful. But with what he adds on the ground, you can see the size of his bubble there. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely a factor on the ground and that's adding that floor and also boosting his ceiling as well. So uh, I like Dobbs to make some noise, especially because when you consider, you know, where he's at on the chart here, I, I think a big part of that was his previous situation with being on the Cardinals, which I mean, didn't, doesn't really look like their offense has, I mean, anywhere near the caliber of weapons that the Vikings do, um, you know, Trey McBride's exciting and Marquise Brown is not a slouch, but after Marquise Brown, it's kind of that's that's about it. And, and the Vikings are definitely looking uh, and, and the Vikings are way more pass heavy than the Cardinals. So I, I like Dobbs as, you know, potential undervalued QB going forward. And it's it's easy to root for the guy after such an awesome performance come from behind and he gets to stick it to Arthur Smith. That was really fun.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree for sure. And um, that that was something that uh, we, we we talked about briefly last week. And I I might have been uh, I was probably a little bit optimistic. I I, I, w- I was really thinking only a small drop down from Kirk Cousins. And um, but I think that it, it's very fair to, to see him as in in the category of sort of very competent backup. You know the way. When you have a starter go down and sometimes the backup is, is like good enough to keep things flowing that the the offense doesn't crater and then sometimes you have a backup and it's like okay oh shit like everything's everything's gone to the and and, and you, you almost can't start your guys whereas i definitely think dobbs is in the category of uh you know like you, you, you can still play jordan addison uh, I mean, We'll see what what happens when Justin Jefferson comes back, but you can still play, Hawkinson, and and you're still going to get good scores from them. Um, and okay. I, I think one thing one thing that is relevant to this chart is that um a lot of the the sample that came with with Dobbs being around here came for when he played played for the Cardinals, and like well, the Cardinals offense is just so bad. Like I I think Holly Hollywood is a good player, but he's just he's not like he's not so good that if he's your only guy that your offense is going to be good. And then the pieces the pieces after that are, are pretty weak too. So I, I, I think that he could be a lot closer to um the mid range here in adjusted yards per attempt and 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 probably closer to the touchdown the mid range and touchdown attempt to or to Touchdowns too. Like just for example, last week six, he came in at six point six, so already better than uh, than he was as a cardinal, and and that's with uh, pretty publicized, um, pretty publicized, very uh, or, or extreme lack of preparation, uh, with give, given the, the short notice.
0: I've got a I got a question for you on two quarterbacks where I kind of like the matchup for for both of them this week and their neighbors on this chart. It's Sam Howell and Geno Smith. Can you, can you give me your read on, I mean, Geno's been kind of a perpetual underperformer this year. Is this a get right spot for Geno? Would you prefer the Howell side of the matchup? I know the Washington defense is pretty weak against the pass, um, but you know, the, the Seattle defense just got, Absolutely shellacked by the Ravens this last week. So, how do you how do you feel about those two quarterbacks? Do you have a strong preference for one over the other? And is that a do you think that's a decent spot to potentially attack this week? So I
1: think, um, and do they, they play? I'm assuming from your question, I have looked at the schedule. They play each other this week. Correct. Yeah. I think from a sort of like macro uh, viewpoint that, um. It's almost as if the fact that Geno Smith hasn't... he, he ha, He's only had really one good year in his career and he's been sort of backup quality. Otherwise, that... And, and that the offense hasn't been good this year too. It, it, it I think that, that's, to me, that's sort of shaping up to be, uh, you know, m- maybe we got a little bit too excited about this offense and this quarterback last year. And... Maybe he is closer to backup, and then Sam Hell is clearly, I think, really exciting uh, when he's not getting sacked. So it, you really do, you really do have to. Uh, it is a pick your poison thing. There, I think there's warts on both of them, and I guess because Sam Hell is younger, and we don't have, we don't have like the 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 long history of him being sort of a backup and and you you have the the potential for a young player who's learning to to kind of sort of flick a switch that 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 gives me sort of a a slight lean to him but i i uh other than matchup i think i i i do think you have to hold your nose a little bit uh on, on, on either of them what's slightly in hell for me
0: okay yeah, I, uh, I I think, you know, Howell will certainly project better this week when we get, uh, you know, different sources re- releasing their projections. But I, I like to hear your thoughts on stuff like that to get a, a sentiment for, like, how, how are sharp people going to be digesting this? You know, is Geno Smith just going to be too yucky, full stay away? And from what you're saying, it sounds like the stench of how he's performed this season is is still just a little much for you to eat, you know, even if you plug your nose, you still are worried you're gonna smell something with Gino. And so for me, just with how juicy this matchup looks and the fact that at the trade deadline the commanders got rid of two of their best defensive linemen and, and pass rushers, I'm like, man, I kind of feel like let me just you know in in DFS or in uh you know dog bowl, let me just use Gino as the quarterback that I'm going to attack with this week, like especially in dog bowl where he's not going to, I don't think he's getting drafted. I've only done like eight so far this week and I'm not, I haven't gone over my, my combos uh, super diligently yet, but I'm pretty sure he's not getting drafted at a super high clip. And for me, this just feels like, well, if this is, if they're going to let me get Gino and there's only going to be a hundred other total Gino teams in the contest, I'll, I'll take a shot at that. Um, but moving on from that specific matchup, uh, I did want to talk about a quarterback who we are seeing ascend. Uh, he previously was in the non-desirable quadrant of the chart, uh, towards the middle, but you know, definitely not a guy that we were targeting or looking at as favorable. But I believe he's officially reached NBA Jam status here uh, because his last three games he was, you know, heating up, and with this last one he's officially reached on fire status, and that's Dak Prescott, and it's it's kind of meshing with the resurgence of Ceedee Lamb, just being an absolute target hog, like looking looking like one of the true target hogs in the league, and so I'm wondering, do you think that what we've seen from Dak? is more indicative of this is what the Cowboys look like when they're in closer games, or what are what are we seeing here? Is this closer to the norm for Dak, or is he going to regress back a little bit from these last couple weeks? What are your thoughts there? Um. So obviously he's on a hot streak. He,
1: he is having a hot stretch. I think that he is sort of a pocket passer in that a lot of his uh, – when when he has the big games it's going to be true to year and game to game that's going to be volatile we've obviously had the last 2 to 3 weeks have been very very good and i think that that i mean that's obviously encouraging you you, you want to see your your players play well but i think it's it is good to keep in mind that um the the the, the profile there is, is a little bit volatile and it, it, it would be it would be quite shocking if you didn't have down games as well just because some sometimes they don't get the touchdowns or sometimes they have a bad day so um that, that I, I guess that that's a little bit wishy-washy um in that I'm like acknowledging how well he's played and saying no oh, so, some sometimes he's gonna play bad and and, and sort of like that's that's my sort of like long-term view of, of like how, like a thousand foot view on, on how i'd see Dak, and then um what i would also say is that with the pocket passers you do want to make sure that you're you're you're, pri- you're very price controlled you don't want to be i i i would still see him as a non-elite pocket passer and uh, he's good he's very good he's definitely in a very good category so with that said would want to be price conscious but it's been uh, it's been very obviously
0: good to uh to see him put up the points the last couple weeks and and i think that's a really good point when you talk about being price conscious on these pocket passers if you look at where justin herbert falls on the chart and what you had to pay for him in best ball drafts this off season just you know doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense you know like give me jared goff it's same you know same shit right five rounds cheaper right Uh, you know Another one, it's like ninety five percent, Doc. Almost with yeah. Uh, Another one here is uh, Pat Mahomes. Is that is that really like a second round kind of like? I think with and this is I I know there's people are going to be mad that I'm you know saying oh you can't take Pat Mahomes in the second round. I, I just think it's so wildly different than Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, the quarterbacks with that elite rushing floor ceiling combo, because really what that does and and. God, this season has been. I mean, if you get tired of me typing the same shit in Discord over and over and trying to like explain quarterback pricing and what's reasonable and what should be driving the market, um, get ready to get annoyed again because I'm going to say the exact same shit that I've said a million times before. But this season is is playing out and like just painting the exact picture of my thesis and my reasoning here, and it's these quarterbacks that don't have major downside deviation, like Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, when they have bad games, like, number one, they're pretty few and far between. And number two, they're still, like, at 20 fantasy points because Jalen Hurts got tush-pushed into the end zone, you right. know? And, and then or when 60 get a, yards rushing or something like that. And, and even a quarterback like Tua, who I was, you know, flag-planting all offseason as this guy is egregiously mispriced, this is the worst-priced player in the entire draft landscape. I was hugely overweight on him. But the difference between those pocket passing quarterbacks and the quarterbacks with that rushing upside or, or just the absolutely elite, elite quarterbacks that just don't have down games, which I mean, Mahomes is really was the only one that I would have argued, you know, avoided that downside deviation. But this season with the awful weapons that they've got for him and, you know, if Travis Kelsey has a bad game, it's like, all right, well, Mahomes is having a down game now. But like, look at Tua's game log. Look at Mahomes' game log. Look at these pocket passers. And when they have a bad game, they're getting you 10 points or 13 points or something. And it's like, okay, that's enough of a, a deviation from what an average quarterback is going to score on the week to the downside that it's hurting you. And so you really, in in my opinion and the way that I look at the game, like you don't want to be – exactly what you're saying. You don't want to be paying a premium for these guys that can do things at – a, a relatively decent clip where it's gonna hurt you on a given week. And so for me, that's why it's like, hey, it's Allen hurts and then a big tier break. And that's that's one thing that the market doesn't get correct, is they get panicked on the scarcity of the position, and they're like, Oh, I gotta grab the next best tier of quarterbacks. It's like, no, it should really be a large tier, like, it should be like those two elite quarterbacks and then all the best skill position guys until we get through that tier and then quarterbacks, like maybe in the fourth round or something. But anyway, that's enough rambling. Uh, I just, right. I,
1: it, 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 it just, it price consciousness, uh, especially with pocket passes is very important. And yeah. because like last, the, the the prior year, Mahomes was sort of bouncing around and uh, depending on your draft between round four and six. And I, the, the ones where I got him in round five and six, like on, on insanely good pick insanely good pick because you were still you were getting those upside games and then you got them at a price where it separated you enough and then the downs then also in this because your price was lower the downside didn't
0: hurt you as much 100 percent, yeah very well said and you said it in like two minutes (laughs) last minute to say it which is why i am happy to have you uh basically breaking my thoughts down and making them much more actionable. Um, a quarterback that I wanted to get into, there's actually two that I looked at this week that I thought were interesting. One is a guy that I've talked about every single week. It seems like, um, and I he was my most owned quarterback in the dog bowl this week at 35%. And that was Lamar Jackson. I was basically taking him. If Alvin Kamara was off the board because of his just absurd expected fantasy points profile I would take Alvin Kamara at 101, but after he was gone, I was taking Lamar 102. And I feel like, I mean, if you look at where Lamar's at with his TD rate, he's just running kind of bad on touchdown variants, right? Like this, this week the Ravens had four touchdowns and Lamar had zero of them. Right. And I think last week mm-hmm. they had five and he had one or, or something like he he's, he's just running a little bad on touchdowns. And like i know some of that is going to be systemic especially it really depends on the matchup for them right like if it's a game where they need to put it all on the line to win i think you're more likely to get those lamar goal line type of carries and plays where they're they're willing to put him out there a little bit more put him at a little more risk um or when they face a stouter run defense on the goal line where you know gus edwards can't just rumble in there for you know, well, break two arm tackles. One of the things about last week was that the uh,
1: Lamar Jackson in particular was like a victim of, of success, in that the offense was rolling, and, and obviously he he's the biggest part of that, and defense dominating. So they go up big, and then he, uh, he Lamar Jackson. He only had twenty six attempts uh, last week. That was his third his, his third lowest of the of the season. And so, in in those sorts of games where one team just dominates and then takes the sort of foot off the gas, you really need when they go when they go up big, you need that you need that player to get the touchdowns. To get when they take the lead, otherwise it's, it's sort of over. And um, but, I, but I guess that that's just one week. I I think the the general sort of team is. He is playing very well. He's operating an offense at, at a really high level. And that anytime you can get a discount on him, he he he's just a smash.
0: So here's a here's a question for you. Cause for me, listening to what you're saying, it sounds like you you really want Lamar to either get priced down in DFS or for there to be so many other elite options on the slate that his ownership gets you know, depressed, or you know, in a dog bowl, like a type draft. You're looking at right. Hey, people. No, I mean, I
1: don't think specifically for Mer, but he. I, I think he's a great example of a player who can get that, just because. Uh, just because of, of of some outcomes he's had where he hasn't played that well, like it's is a is a good example of somebody who's playing extremely well, extremely efficiently. And may get priced down, or may get lower ownership because of per fantasy outcomes, or, or or below what you're expecting.
0: And so, I guess my my big question is for this week for the matchup against the Browns. Now, a lot of people would say, "Oh, the Browns have you know best one of the best, if not the best right. defense in the league. That's going to really stifle him." Do you think it could potentially be a situation where? They're able the Browns, you know, stay in the game with the Ravens. And are they going to be able to do enough on offense to potentially push the Ravens? Because I I feel like, and, and this is going to be uh very narrative-based. I, you know, I could go back and look at the data on this, but I haven't yet. I probably will now that I've brought this point up for myself, make a little mental note. But I feel like in those games where it's a you know the Ravens are really, you know, it's a tight game, Lamar goes superman mode at a higher frequency in those ones than not where he right. just it makes sense, he, it makes it, sense. i'm gonna Obviously rush for 100 yards you know
1: but uh, in, in in downs where let's say they're up by three scores and he's just thrown the ball away but if if, the, if if it's a close game and they gotta have the turn down then he's taking off or something like that that i i think that t- that, that totally makes sense but the the what you're describing now is so he's playing the Browns and people have a lot of respect for the Browns defense this year where they played some really good offenses, really tough. And someone's like, Oh no, you can't, you can't play high priced Lamar against the Browns defense. And then he goes under ownership, but Lamar is an elite NFL and fantasy player. And so you never, you never fade the elites because of matchup. You You, you just don't do it. And if you get an ownership
0: discount because of that,
1: you you, you try to take advantage,
0: right? Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was leaning into as well. But I definitely wanted to get your thoughts on it here before I just go smashing Lamar again. <laughs> um, my other, his neighbor on this chart, uh, new quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, Taylor Heineke, I'm curious what you think about Heineke because there have been games in the past when he was on Washington where we saw him. He he had some games where he was willing to sling it. There were lots of games from him also that were pretty ugly when he was on Washington. So I'm wondering, is this, is this a spot where you're willing to take like a super cheap quarterback dart throw here? Is this just a, I don't want to be part of this? How do you feel about Heineke? Um. I don't. I don't know
1: if it's cool. I have. A, I, I'm having a really hard time playing Falcons, and um, just it's it's so hard for me to play a player on an offense where they're just like they're just picking. They're doing random number. They're random number generator for who gets the ball, and it's a scheme. And, and and the scheme is player agnostic and they have all these great players and they, they don't want to get them the ball that it, it could, it could re, it could honestly truly be a, a thing where I'm letting narrative or emotion cloud my judgment. Um, but I really do have a, a tough time playing players in that offense right now. Um. Just because it's 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 gotten, I think it's gotten past the point of being like weird. Like last year, you had situations where the offense was was trash, uh, but you could say, oh, but it's so concentrated on these two guys, and they're the uh, they're the best players on the team, so that sort of makes sense. And and now it's it's the the offense is is fine, like on an NFL level, it's it's probably subpar. But not not absolutely awful, um, maybe a little worse than just a par. but like not pure trash, but at the same time, they're, they're they just have all these weird usage trends, and it hasn't just been a one week blip. It's been multiple weeks with multiple players and just not making any sense. So I, 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 that, that's where I'm sort of landing, but that could be wrong.
0: Yeah, that's that's the hard part for me, too, because if it was just he's using the, you know, like we we talk about the assumption of rational coaching, where, you know, if you're if you're going in and you're making this assumption that the coach is going to do the thing that you think the coach should be doing. Right. Based on the you know who the best players are, who they should be getting the ball to, how they should be calling plays to win the game. Well, that's going to work if the coach is rational. But if the coach is not acting rationally, you're going to have a bad time. And Arthur Smith, like you're saying is, is going well beyond irrational. Like it's not, he's talking about how Tyler Algier is one of the best short yardage backs in the league. When like, there's no, he either is intentionally trolling people or or he has not actually looked at any of the data. He's not saying anything that's backed up by data. It is like, yeah, this guy feels really good at short yardage stuff. Uh, I don't know why, but I just like him, you know, like, and and so then I guess my angle is, well, can I go inside the mind of an Arthur Smith? Like if I hit my head really hard, really hard, like I'm not even speaking coherent sentences anymore, could I potentially pick out usage trends from the Falcons if I give myself enough of a head injury? And so that's kind of the way that I'm looking at playing the Falcons. Like I just head injure myself. And then I construct my Falcon sacks, and so that's how I'm looking to play my Heineke this week. So just you—you're just saying like you know what, screw it,
1: Heineke, and Jonu Smith, and Tyler Algier. Let let it rip.
0: Could could be, but I'm I'm also I'm going to hit my head hard enough that sometimes I click Bijan and sometimes I click Pitts, and shit. There might even be like a Van Jefferson in there. Like, I mean,
1: I I I, this this sounds like very much um. And large field, lottery sort of oh, spot for sure. play in DFS, for sure. But it, okay, I mean, okay. But that that is what you're talking about right now.
0: Yeah, and they they do get the Cardinals, who I mean, couldn't couldn't you see like? I I don't know. I just I kind of feel like it might be a spot where everyone's mad at Arthur Smith, and the game. You know, Kyler's back, so they're able to actually push the Falcons and every, you know, it's not consistent that Arthur Smith passes when they're in situations that require them to pass, but there have been times this season when he's passed, when he's been required to pass. And so it's like, maybe just maybe Kyler does enough. And then the Falcons have a, you know, somewhat functional day on offense against a pretty bad Cardinals defense. And there's points in places where they're, it's too yucky for most people to want to delve and, uh, I'm willing to be the guy dumpster diving for the correct Falcons pieces I don't know it's probably probably a great way to burn money. It definitely sounds like a low ownership uh,
1: large field and and, and and if there's like a chalky running back or something that you want to play that, that's how you play them. Yeah,
0: I uh, I don't have any more quarterbacks. I want to go over unless you have someone. No, wanna... no,
1: no. I think we cook We I think we covered it. We're ready to move on. And i just. I guess just to clarify my comment, whereas like, I, I I I sort of agree with you in that like the there will be weeks where the Falcons put up decent points, and and you'll want the guy the guys that points go to. It just it's like. It's one of those things where it's a, it's random usage across the offense and then the spike week isn't that actually high. So y- you really you really do want to uh, um how do I say it if, if, if you're going to be doc- it, it seems like a really true contrarian play. You want to you want to be smart with how you do it. That that makes sense. Um but yeah, let's uh let's move on to uh and I will zoom out to our first running back chart, and the, the Orby snaps and usage. These are our starter players. Everybody who runs a route or has a rush attempt on forty percent or or above uh, on their offense's snaps. And you can see that in the green bar, that's rush attempts as a percentage of team snaps, and then yellow bar is routes as a percentage of uh, team snaps. And obviously. The the idea is you want the running backs that are on the field consistently, um, up, and this this doesn't sort of speak to efficiency or anything like that, but it gives you a, an idea of hey who's out there who has the potential to 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 earn points, and particularly w- with routes and 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 the main thing with getting checkdown passes for running backs is just that they're out on the field, so that's why we focus on that. And then uh, we have pass block and run block stuff there, just as to sort of complete the picture. But we really are focused on sort of fantasy productive uh, uh,
0: snaps. So I uh, just like last week when I talked about the tight end usage chart, um, really starting to you know crystallize in tiers and really clearly show players in in these tiers that we want to think of them in, I feel like the running back chart is is doing that this week and it's making, you know, really good uh, clear tier breakdowns. And so I wanted to point out a couple of them. So like you have Christian McCaffrey, who's the elite elite, like insane usage and also just so, so productive. Obviously he didn't have a game this week, so he's, he's not going to move the needle there. But then you've got this next group that's like Rashad White, Saquon Barkley, who's the group of guys that are getting just a ton of work, like Kyron Williams probably falls into this category when he comes back. Elite roles, great, great amount of work, but not either not in a great offense, or maybe themselves as a player, they're not like an elite talent at running back. And so they're just like, yeah, there's the volume there, but they're they're not going to be the kind of guys to put up a legendary Season we did see Rashad get there this week, just on the back of volume and a couple, you know, goal line carries that he was able to convert. Um, but that's that's kind of that tier of high usage guys, but you know, lacking the talent or the situation to really be elite. Then you've got the guys that are still getting similar levels of work in like Etn, Eckler, and Jacobs. But I would say of that group. ETN is the, this feels weird to say like Eckler doesn't have as much juice anymore, but just from watching the, the Island game against the Jets. And again, you know, it's just one game, but to me, Eckler looked like not the same Austin, you know, I'm not saying he's bad by any means. Like you'd still love to have him on your fantasy teams, but I, I think we want to be careful with assigning him the same level of crazy efficiency that he's been able to get in the past. And so like ETN Eckler Jacobs in that tier, I'm wanting ETN over both of those other guys because ETN looks like he has juice. And and the other two are just like, yeah, great role, a good, you know, good talented players, um, but just maybe not quite as much juice as ETN. And so I'd rather have the guy with the juice. Do you feel like that's a fair assessment of that tier? Um yeah, yeah. I think. Clear.
1: It seems clear to me, anyway, that a large part of uh, Eckler's lack of efficiency is he did have a high ankle sprain, and those do take time to come back, and he is older, so the recovery time is dragging on there. I, I, I think I think that it's still possible that Eckler is a guy like who really helps you in the playoffs. Obviously, he has to really help you. Yeah, given his first round price tag, but definitely, if you're playing him, you're you're definitely taking on pretty well established risk now, and I I think that's going to be pretty clear to most people, especially as you said, he played in the island game where his uh his limitations were on display, um, but or or, or current Atlantic limitations were on display, but I I agree with you. Travis Etienne, he's definitely the uh, the one that you want there out of
0: that grouping. And so here's here's a little uh, dog bowl alpha, and you can you can veto this if you don't think that this is uh, the the way that I you have really no are. right to veto you on a dog bowl alpha. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing about fantasy football, right? It's the results from one slate determine if you are good or not at the game. Yeah, and true. I, if you I won one, one slate. I won one I time, guys. <laughs> so I'm pretty much the best to ever do it. No, um, uh, what I was gonna say is Eckler's going as the second running back off the board in the dog bowl right now. It's Christian hmm. McCaffrey, pretty much 101 every single time. Then you got the tier of like stud receivers of like Chase, who I think is going too high given how bad that back injury looked. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's limited this week. Um, and CD Lamb and Keenan Allen, and then you've got. Eckler going with ETN going, you know, like he's still in the first round, but it's Eckler at the beginning of the first and ETN at the back of the first. I've been just flipping that and taking ETN. Basically I'm taking ETN like third off the board. Cause I'm doing CMC one Oh one lamb one Oh two ETN one Oh three. And that's kind of how I think it should shake out. And I think that's enough of like, I think it's enough of an edge to be like, yeah, give me at price. I'll take zero Austin Eckler this week. I'll take all the ETN you can feed. Yeah, me this yeah. week. yeah.
1: I, I, I think, I think, um, I think this makes sense. Where mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, there's pretty clearly risk here, and it sounds like that risk is just not priced. It's not reflected in Eckler's price, and and so, thus the, the Eckler price doesn't make any sense. Well, I do. I, I did have a little smile when I saw that. Uh, when I heard, oh yeah, and uh, City Lamb is my 102. i I swear (laughs) to
0: god it's not homerism i i I, like full transparency i basically full faded lamb last week against the eagles because i thought the price that he was going at i'd rather just say that I, i know that a huge game like he had was squarely in the range of outcomes but thinking about it probabilistically i'm like All I got to do is fade this big CD Lamb game, even a good game. I'm I'm probably safe as long as I get the Lamar game that I think he could have that would break the slate compared to all the other quarterbacks last week. And so I was 35% Lamar and no CD because it was always a question of, hey, Lamar can gap the quarterbacks harder than CD can gap the wide receivers. And so I I swear I'm not doing the CD Homer thing. I'm I'm only doing it when I think that it's the correct pick. but moving on, um, here's here's I some. I will anti- say that that receiver I, I I'm I'm obviously teasing, but
1: uh, just in the context where you're talking about, uh, receivers pretty light this week in the uh, in the dog bowl, which is 100 percent the- where that makes sense. And then, like you said, Jamar Chase had the back injury, so uh, just just
0: that was some ribbing, but <laughs> I, I it does seem appropriate. Well, let me uh let me you know make sure that I I firmly uh you know, have to revoke my, myself of my Cowboys fan club card because I'm about to to say some not nice things about uh, Tony Pollard from a fantasy perspective. Love Tony Pollard, the player, and the man. But in this next tier of guys, you got Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Tony Pollard, um, and I, I think Alvin Kamara is, is slightly different than these. Um, Kamara is more in that Eckler-Jacobs-ETN tier just because of the crazy... Uh, expected fantasy points from the receiving side. And so I think he's more in that hey, Ka- Kamara is Josh Jacobs basically. They're both like he Kamara is even a little more dusty than Jacobs in the rushing game. Jacobs just looks like he didn't care. Pre- he was like I'm not running hard for Josh McDaniels. This chuckle fuck. And then now that they got the interim head coach, he's like I I'm down. I'm down for the cause. For at least one week I'm going to put the body <laughs> back on the line. And so I think Kamara's kind of in that group, but then you get Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Tony Pollard. And the unfortunate truth of the matter is that Tony Pollard is fancy Joe Mixon right now. And it pains me to say it, but that's what it looks like, man. And the roles for both are good. It's just for both of them, the efficiency hasn't been great. Pollard hasn't converted like any touchdowns. He got totally robbed of a touchdown this week where for all intents and purposes, it was a touchdown. It was a super ticky tack call where apparently the lineman didn't report as eligible, but Dak. Right, him but the the, the longer term, or sorry, like the the longer game sample of him
1: not being able to convert touchdowns is there. Yeah, and then you have you have the things like his uh, his rush yards over expected have, have been negative and like just just general signs of him not playing up to his. His prior self,
0: yeah. So I, I do think that he's kind of fancy Joe Mixon right now. And so again, it's it's kind of like the conversation that we had with uh, with respect to pocket passing quarterbacks. For these running backs that aren't displaying that elite efficiency um, and are below that you know absolute you know best usage tier, I think you got to be price sensitive, right? Like for example, you could take Pollard in the second round of the dog bowl. Or you can get Joe Mixon in the third and even sometimes you know, slides to the fourth. And so it's like, I, I just have to take Joe Mixon there. You know, um, I don't think it makes a ton of sense to pay a premium when I'm I'm just trying to buy. I'm trying to buy the usage and the fact that the guy could fall into the end zone. And I don't think the probabilities are so different for both of those guys that the price difference is justified. So is that. Oh, Russia sh- um and that the, the books are on
1: the uh, are on the main slate. So I I am almost going one step further
0: as like isn't Rashad White the same? Yeah. In, in my uh in my projections that I have for the really early drafts that I've been doing so far, I Rashad White is pretty much always bubbling up as the best running back pick available after like yeah. the second round. And what the way that I play stuff like that is I've talked about this, I won't rehash this, but I, I've talked about the the rare coin toy game that I use for drafting to like kind of think through when are you supposed to take the best player in your rankings relative yeah. to when are you supposed to take the best player at ADP. And so for Rashad White, I just I try to earlier in the in my drafting, I'm trying to see like where how far can I get him to go. Mm-hmm. give me an idea of where Rashad White, where does the buck stop on Rashad White? And then once I've got that and I've got a pretty good idea of it, then I'm going to start grabbing my Rashad White a little before that point because I want a lot of him based on his price. His price is wrong. And so I want a lot, but I want to try and milk as much as I can get out of him, especially if there's other guys going around him where it's like, gee, I could potentially get George Kittle plus Rashad White, both of whom are looking like two of the best projected players at that point in the draft for me you know, with the, the points above replacement that they provide. And it's like, so I could take Rashad White, but I'm probably losing Kittle then by the time my next pick gets around. So let me take Kittle here and I'll see if I can get Rashad White to come back. But yes, uh, I mean, great call out. Rashad White is definitely, he's right there with, you know, Mixon and, and Pollard um, as far as the points above replacement that they bring. But it, so. it goes to a general point of like, hey, if
1: you can accurately profile a player, which Pollard? Hey, great role, not playing very well. You want you want the cheap versions of that of that
0: profile. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and then to to kind of put a bow on the last group of guys that I think was uh, just just really showed up clearly in a tier here. Um, the the Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and Jonathan Taylor, where. These guys are not... And, and Taylor's usage improved pretty substantially this week. And Brees' usage is trending up. Walker's usage has been trending in the opposite direction. I don't think that's super sticky. I think it's just kind of, you know, Pete Carroll discovered his shiny toy of Zach Charbonnet and he likes him. And they're just they're trying to feel it out right now. So I think that we'll still see Walker with a pretty good role. But just like Brees and, and kind of just like Jonathan Taylor all three of them are are home run hitting types of backs now they all have different flavors uh you know going along with that piece of their profile where all three of them can deliver you a week winning single play where it's hey 80 yard touchdown breakaway run they've all got that in their bag of tricks taylor is extremely involved in the passing game now and so that looks really promising but he's got moss eating into some of that you know moss might take some goal line carries or take more work than you want You know, Brees is still losing passing down work and long down distance work to Michael Carter, where it's like, God, we know that this guy is an elite, elite receiving back. And so it's frustrating to see him not get all of that. But uh, so he's he's kind of like Jonathan Taylor light in his receiving role, but he's still getting opportunities in the passing game. And then you get Walker, who's not really getting much at all in the way of the receiving game in these recent weeks where he was a little earlier in the season. um, But he still has that big home run profile And, and Brees has had low success rate kind of with Kenneth Walker this season. And I'm not certain if that's, you know, coming back from the injury or if it's just the Jets offense and offensive line have been bad. And so that's negatively impacting his success rate. But anyway, do you, do you kind of agree with that assessment of that tier of running backs and and how, how do they stack up to Joe Mixon and Fancy Joe Mixon tier? Where How do you compare those? So I think you,
1: you I agree with you 100% on um, Michael Carter, or say, Brees Hall. Wait, I see um, that Brees uh, Hall, he had like 13.7 expected points last game. Just I know that uh, that's um, – that's for another chart, but but just to sort of frame it a little bit, and then you see that uh, Michael Carter he had nine expected receiving points, so even with we're we're, we're uh, theoretically through the ACL injury, we're getting full Breeze usage, and right now Michael Carter is still uh, stubborn, sort of like holding on to uh, some of raw, um, and I think you you. Like you said, it's a similar it's a similar situation, maybe different flavor with JT, where JT had seventy five percent of the snaps last week, but uh Zach Moss still sort of like they still like him, they still want to use him. And um, with those two players, I think or, or sorry, I should say with Brees, Hall and John Taylor, I still think you're talking about like true elite difference maker uh running backs. And that I, I sort of see it as like, hey, I, I don't know what will happen next week. But I think that it's almost bearing injury. It's inevitable that they separate themselves. And so I'm still sort of in the mode of like, um, I, I, I want to be able to take advantage of that when it happens. Like, I, I'm going to play it before I see it. Um, but... And uh, I, 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 that, that's sort of how I, I, I would see that, and uh, and then Kenneth Walker. So I'm looking at, a, I'm looking at some of the news uh, stuff for him, that he has like apparently a, uh, oh no, I, I'm seeing the wrong thing, um, he has a, he has an an injury, and um, that has been sort of holding him back. with it's like a, a calf injury that uh, he hasn't been practiced with. And, and I do I do I know he got removed from injury report before playing the game, but I do wonder if that's still holding him back. Because, like you said, I truly don't see an efficient split between him and Charbonnet as 50-50. I, I, I don't think that makes any sense if they're both healthy. Um, but I guess he, 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 the, the more weeks you see that split, the more you, you sort of have to pay attention to it. And the more worried you get about it, so that that's I guess that's how I would see all those various uh, situations.
0: Okay, uh, those were really the I felt like just going through those tiers of these you know the top running backs mm-hmm. uh, by usage was the most important takeaway for me when I was looking at the chart this week. Uh, quick honorable mentions, and then we can hit the next chart. Uh, Aaron Jones starting to he's going to be moving on up. It looks like he's finally healthy. Got a lot of opportunity this week. I think he was twenty carries. Uh, so that's that's a spot where I think the offense has been bad enough. And if the Packers care to win any games, like they can't have Jordan Love be responsible for very many pass attempts. So I think it's just going to be if it's a game that's winnable for the Packers, I would fully expect there to be a healthy dose of Aaron Jones. And so that's what we got against the Rams this week where it was like we can win, we can win a game. There's an NFL game that we are, you know, squarely in contention to win. So the way that I want to play Aaron Jones going forward is I need the Packers to be decent favorites in it. Um and I I'd, I'd hope that they're against a team that is still going to score some points on them, but I want the Packers to be favorites and then I'm I'm looking to play some Aaron Jones in that situation. Otherwise, if the Packers are big underdogs or anything like that, even though Aaron Jones could be utilized in the passing game, for me it's just like I, I don't think the Packers would uh, would care to utilize him a ton in a game where they're getting the break speed off of him. It'll just be whatever. We hate A.J. Dillon. He's not, he's not the future for us. You can go out there and get this meaningless punishment. We'll save Aaron Jones for a game we can win. Uh, but that's kind of my – my quick two cents on Aaron Jones before we move on to the next chart. Okay. And
1: I guess my question would be, so what about this week where they're playing at the Steelers? And so they're, they're on the road, but they're the team they're playing is, is hardly elite. And, but they, they are, I guess they are favorited over Ram favored by three and a half points. So like, Definitely the favorite, clear favorite, but it's not like a it's not like they're like eh, wide. They're expected to like run rough shot over them. Yeah. How, how does that eh, m- mean that you play
0: Jones? Yeah, for me that seems like a clear Aaron Jones is on the menu type of spot, um, but not a Aaron Jones is locked into everything I'm playing on the week. Right, if that makes sense.
1: Yep. Yeah. Very yeah. Very fair. So now we're looking at the same chart, but these are the backups. And, and I, I guess I should re- mention that these are four week averages. So we're not looking at the full year just because with and this sort of running back usage, the trend is much more important than a full year average. We don't really care about week one anymore, sort of.
0: Yep. Very, very well said. Tyler Algier with almost uh, no snaps still manages to make Bijan drafters so, so sad. Um, Yeah, it's just that Arthur Smith thing where he just finds a way to uh, be unpredictable in the usage of his players. Um, This is, I mean, I think these are the cover boys and we've got to go over this situation because the offense has produced so much, Um, but it's Justice Hill Gus Edwards and new exciting addition of Keaton Mitchell to that Ravens three headed monster backfield now. So for, for people who aren't super familiar with Keaton Mitchell, he was a, uh, he was a zero RB candidate that I know Sean Siegel was excited about during the off season, but you know, he's a small guy, uh, ex- extreme burner, you know, what, what did he test? He was like a, a four, three, speed kind of guy he's really small he's like only 170 pounds maybe like sopping wet um so definitely four three seven four three seven i mean so yeah the dude can fly and if you want some fun uh, college highlights go go watch some keaton mitchell college highlights because he's he looks pretty electric um the, the 192 bad... pounds five six okay so yeah he's he's a little guy but uh, the, yeah. the bad news for justice hill is that Keaton Mitchell kind of looks like a Justice Hill-type replacement, right? He's just the younger, newer model um, who's never torn his Achilles. Now, there a couple couple interesting points with the usage for this week. Number one, it was a blowout game. You know, game got out of hand, and the Ravens really were just trying to salt it away. So Justice Hill dominated the snaps, and they kind of put Gus Edwards on ice, which to me the the signal to take from this is— that Gus Edwards is is their most trusted running back. That's their the running back. They value the highest and want to, you know, keep fresh. And, and so when the game got out of hand, they were happy to bring Justice Hill in to help salt it away. But Gus Edwards was important enough to this team that he needs to go on ice. So um, some people might look at the usage and say, oh, well, Justice Hill had the most snaps. And for me, this was a pretty negative sign for Justice Hill. Not like he's totally, totally dead, but when you add Keaton Mitchell in there where it's like, this is a guy who's flashing the efficiency and big plays that we were hoping to get from Justice Hill. Um, it's just, to me, it kind of spells disaster for all three of these guys as far as like being able to predict who you actually want to start going forward. It's if I'm having to decipher it, I'm saying if I'm going to take a guy like for DFS or Dog Bowl. I'm pretty much only doing Gus Edwards. I really Keaton Mitchell's usage has been so sparse and he really, he only got run after the game was out of hand. So I don't really know for me, you've, you mentioned, uh, you know, for some guys like Brees and JT, you want to play it before you see it. Right. For me, Keaton Mitchell is not a play it before you see it spot because it's like, I think it happening is so unlikely that, I don't feel like I'm getting one over on the field by like just locking in Keaton Mitchell every week until it happens. I don't know. Am I, am I being too risk averse there? How do you feel about the way this? No, I think that's pretty fair.
1: Out? That's pretty fair where, um, what it is, is not like, it's not worth burning like American dollars for <laughs> it's like that. That's good currency. You should use it for something else. Like, the, the sort of play it before you see it is something where it's like, you know, if it doesn't happen, you get upset. But at least you know that, like, if it did happen, which is their best outcome, that you win all the money. Whereas, like, you pay, you, you're playing Keaton Mitchell, and oh, wow, he actually did get 10 carries again. And oh, instead of two routes, he ran five routes. It's like, who fucking cares? <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I
0: definitely, I strongly agree. Okay, so strongly, strongly So agree. in summary, no American dollars on Keaton Mitchell, but if you do have some Venezuelan dollars that you weren't able to get out from under or <laughs> the currency totally collapsed, you you would maybe consider chucking a couple of Venezuelan bucks on some yeah. Keaton Mitchell teams. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, well... At, just just, just to, to keep it in the realm of that uh, usability w- would would not play him would not play him even in, in even if i was the, so inclined to pay like the the uh the free like uh contest
0: on on, on drop kings <laughs> w- wouldn't consider him worthy of a play Th- thank you for getting us back on track there um, <laughs> there's only one other spot i had uh Interested in discussing on this backup RB chart and that's the Bears backfield as we potentially get Khalil Herbert back and so you've got a really murky situation now where Deonta Foreman has in my opinion and and just based on the usage it looks like he's done enough that the Bears are like oh yeah we like this guy (laughs) and so he's just gonna get some of those grinder type touches um I The way I kind of see this going forward, because I, I thought Roshan, if he was going to be able to capture more opportunity, would would have done it, you know, in these weeks without Khalil Herbert. Now, granted, he missed some time with the concussion and maybe he was, you know, slow getting work back in. Um, but you've got Darrington Evans still, I, like, if Roshan was going to win more opportunity he'd be icing out Darrington Evans is the way that I read it. And so since you got Darrington Evans still getting touches, the way I look at it is Roshan's probably close to droppable, you know, in in like a shallow league, he's probably droppable. Um, You know, I I don't know. You might hold on to him with a wing and a prayer that he, you know, still surges late for the playoffs. But if you got any better option to churn onto your roster – I think you're dropping Roshan. And then going forward, how – I mean, are you playing either of these Bears backs? Like if no, they're super no, cheap no. or undrafted? No, it's just – it's too gross. It's too many mouths. It's too many mouths with too small a pie. Um, so
1: I can see – I'm just looking just at last week. Um, Don DeForman, he had uh, 55% of the snaps, which – and, and and obviously a, a lot of those are rushing attempts, and and he he does well with those. But at the same time, you look at the expected points for running backs last week, for the entire offense, or or not the entire offense, for every running back, it's just seventeen. So, like, it un, unless unless you have a situation, I I guess maybe there is one situation where you know that uh, or you expect the Bears to be heavy favorites and the week where Dante went, went off, if, if you so, sort of like if you're expected or if you if you want to play for a week like that, then it's worth maybe uh, taking him on if he's gone undrafted a lot. But I think that's the only scenario and you need, you need him to be undrafted and you need to be at least somewhat confident that the Bears will be convincing winners and be able to, to be – uh, able to just run it like 20 25 times and with him
0: yeah i i agree with you there that that makes a ton of sense to me um if if there's no one else that we want to go over on the backup running backs chart let's go ahead and get into the running back efficiency chart and so yeah this is our running back expected points and efficiency and
1: so horizontal axis we've got rushing expected points and then vertical axis it's receiving expected points, and um, size of the bubble two corresponds to efficiency. And you can also see that Gus Edwards here—he most of his expected points is on the ground game, and he actually has played quite well overall with strong efficiency. Um, I, I, I sort of had highlighted him last week as an example of like maybe the uh, maybe. Just seeing uh, this is as, as oh high efficiency means playing well is um it is not quite correct. Where it it it's a it's a model that says, hey, given his usage, how many yards would we expect him to get? How many did he get? And the difference is the error term, and if the error term is positive, that means they played well. So I, I guess I'm just gonna correct myself that there have definitely been situations where Gus Edwards has had big, huge plays, and they—I uh, know, for example, the one where he was down the sideline and they got chased down by the defensive tackle. Like that—that's what—that would be one where it's like a really high fantasy points over expected play. But did he particularly play well? Probably not. But at this point, given the usage, it—it it, it may not matter in uh, for usage as as. He is clearly the preferred back for them, but I guess the only thing that I would say there is that maybe you don't expect those plays to continue. Like you probably will get some uh, more typical Gus Edwards type plays in uh, going forward rather than the sort of lucky 40-yard sprints.
0: I just I just want to see Ravens games where they're down multiple scores and they just actually have success passing i just want to see that um but on on topic um let's uh, one of the one of the running backs i wanted to point out here because i think that the opportunity that's available there is certainly enticing so you see alexander madison he's right on that you know about 15 expected fantasy point per game type role Cam Akers tears his other Achilles. Gosh, you feel? I mean, that guy cannot. Feel catch awful. The break. Yeah, poor guy. Um, but but Madison now has a pretty good situation where he's in the I
1: mean, Joe Mixon Pollard sort of it, exactly
0: hundred percent. He's uh, yeah, he's he's even less efficient. You know, Joe Mixon Pollard that Rashad White, all that. Oh God, good guys. Imagine now, Joe Mixon, but even less efficient. <laughs> It's not sexy. Um, but here's another thing. You got Josh Dobbs there now, and you've got what uh, what I've heard referred to as the Alfred Morris corollary, which is when you've got a rushing quarterback, they can make even the dustiest, shittiest running back look a little bit more efficient because, hey, you got, you got a rushing quarterback, the defense has to respect that, and it can open things up a little bit more for the running back. So the way that I'm playing this and the way I think this is actionable is Ty Chandler becomes a really appealing stash because, I mean, he's the next man up. He, he he should be the backup to Madison, should be getting worked in. Hopefully you see him get, you know, at least the kind of opportunity and snaps that Akers was getting so they get a, a look at him. And you're just hoping that the talent there is enough that they say, oh, we should give this guy more run. Um, and then the other way that I'm I'm willing to play this is if I ever get like a bargain basement Madison and, and they're in a situation where they're either against a really weak run defense or they're huge favorites. So I could see Madison just falling into the end zone a couple times now that the role is more consolidated unless um, Ty Chandler does manage to, you know, take a little bit more of it. I'm more interested in in him as an actual potential viable fantasy play. Um, what do you think? Do you about like myself? that Madison at running back twenty in the dog bowl?
1: Uh, gosh, who are who are they playing? New Orleans. Um, New Orleans, yeah. And so that's right around there. He's thirty six on the dot. This is his ADP.
0: So yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen him drafted in any of the rooms that I've done. It's probably worth a mix-in, honestly. Like, you just – no no pun intended. But, yeah, uh, taking Alexander Madison as my undrafted Joe Mixon, I don't hate it. Um, He's going on the, the random number generator list. He is. He will. Um, the guy yeah. that I had been doing in that last round that wasn't getting he, – he got drafted in, like, basically 50% of the rooms I've been in is Jerome Ford, where it's like – Wait, what? Jerome Ford, who got like twenty-five touches last week, is going undrafted? Like, eh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Um, it right. doesn't sure he's going against the Ravens' defense, who is good, but like twenty-five touches is twenty-five touches, man. Like, <laughs> just right. Um, let's see other other backs worth mentioning here. Um, I mean. Er, Aaron Jones, we touched on already. I don't, I didn't have a ton uh, of takeaways here from this chart. Is there anyone that pops out to you? Um, you know, James Cook coming in, in the uh, the less than
1: 10 expected points per game seems like a, an interesting sort of like evolution where uh, he's only on the field now for 55% of snaps. And he has had his efficient games, but you especially with, like, what, the fifth and sixth round that he was going in, in at the end of draft season? Like, I think he, he's, he seems now to be a pretty clear example of, like, a solid killer where you get games from him, but he is hurting you from winning uh, titles.
0: Uh, absolutely. I've got a, got a little Bill's running back hypothesis here that I'll be interested to see if it plays out this way. So the last couple weeks, they basically said like what's a running back they kind of like phase that position out entirely of their offensive game plan like you guys only exist for you know out of absolute bare necessity really like they they seem to not want to put the ball in either Latavius Murray or James Cook's hands if they can avoid it um, now we've seen this in the past when Singletary was still on the bills where you get into the cold weather months and every once in a while you get like this stretch of two or three Devin Singletary games where he's getting like 23 carries and falls into the end zone a couple times. It's like, oh my gosh, big Devin Singletary spike week. They brought in uh, Leonard Fournette, who looking thick as hell in the best way, looking thick in all the right places. If you've seen the, uh, the short, short, he's he's been using the last couple of months
1: to work out rather than than, than eat out. Yes. Which is what I've been
0: doing. (laughs) Now, my, my hypothesis is the bills do. I mean, Sean McDermott is kind of the, like, he's got the vibe of like the rah, rah, we're going to run the ball down their throat in the cold weather type of, you, you know, like, And we've seen that happen enough where I feel like that's not just narrative. It's like, no, he wants to do that Um, when it's (laughs) when it's cold out. He actually really values that power run game. And so I'm kind of thinking we might get like the first game that Fournette is active. If it's like a bad weather game, I might just lean all the way into it and just be like, fuck it. Let me play all the unowned Leonard Fournette this week. Uh, Let me just lean into it and hope I get Lenny fallen in the end zone twice. Cause he's capable in the passing game too. Like he absolutely could take that passing game work from Murray and cut James cook out of a bunch of passing work as well. And uh, like, they're clearly not thrilled with what they've got at running back. Otherwise they'd use them more. So I don't know. Do you, do you think that's un- is, is the bills backfield more of like the bears type, just stay away. There's not enough there. Or do you think there's anything to my, my cold weather hypothesis here? Um, I
1: think it's probably, it's, it's a bit like the Bears backfield. I think the offense is obviously better, but then at the same time, running backs are, are less uh, uh, emphasized in the offense. So like the ev- the amount of available points around the, uh, the expected points in the, in the offense is still, uh, it's pretty low and the other thing that I have noticed about the Bills is that they actually they they don't want to to uh, be featuring just one guy. They want to be spreading the ball around. The only reason I I don't know the the other running backs in in years past must have pissed them off, or they love Singletary that much that like by the end they're like okay yes Singletary you can ha- you can be the bell cow, and but I don't think they ever wanted to do that and. I would have a hard time seeing uh, Leonard Fournette being the guy that convinces them otherwise. And, 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 you know, he did it for Tampa Bay, so he could, he could become that guy, but uh, that is definitely a, uh, a situation where if it does happen, if, if a a running back doesn't marriage as a bell cow, I I'm okay seeing that first before I, 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 yeah. I, I, I like, commit to it almost, if that makes sense. Because I think even if if somebody is, like, the bell cow for uh, the Bills, I I don't think they're going to project that well because they're not going to be, like, a full, like, 100% snap person. And the the available expected points isn't that high anyway. So even when you see it, it's probably not going to be that expensive anyway. I don't think.
0: Well, thank you for talking me out of being the engineer on the steam engine, Leonard Fournette. (laughs) We fuel the fires of the steam engine with American dollars. I won't be doing that. Um, But when he goes off in that first week in that cold weather game, and I didn't have a bunch of Leonard Fournette teams, I'm going to blame you. I I will hold you fully responsible, Drico. That's
1: true. Um, And I know you'll uh, you'll understand this point well, whereas... When you talk somebody out of something and you're right, you'll never get you'll never get credit. But when you're wrong, they will remember it forever. That's, that's just the way the game is played. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so anybody else here? I, I'm ready to move on. Yeah, let's hop to the next one. Um, and so for this one, there was a uh, – I mean this guy – moved a little in the positive direction and his, uh, his bubble size uh, trended in the positive direction. And I'm talking about Ramondre Stevenson here as he's approaching that 15 fantasy points expected per game threshold. But to me, you know, so much of that was on that one breakaway run where he was trying to do his best Gus Edwards impression of getting caught from behind, you know, like, I think on my best day, I might be able to have got him from behind on that run. You know, (laughs) I'm I'm feeling good, like no no aches or pains, like really juiced up. I get some smelling salts in me before, and you know, I'm not wearing pads or anything to weigh me down. I might be able to get him from behind on that run because he did not look he did not look uh, his most spry or the most explosive. I just man, uh, just Ramondre in general this season really looks like he lost a step or something from, from what we saw last season. I don't know what it was. I mean, he did hit like a little gear of acceleration when he, it was when he stopped having to like round a corner around a defender and he could go straight line. He hit like a next little gear of acceleration, but his top speed didn't look great, you know? <laughs> so I, to me, this Ramondre Stevenson uh, movement in a positive direction is more like fool's gold than anything. I would, I would, here, here's a question Jerome Ford or Amandre Stevenson, straight up, who do you want? You know, rest of the season, you got to start them every week. Um,
1: probably, probably, slight, I it, it would be, yeah, Jerome Ford, it would be, and not, and not even slightly because I'm just looking at the, their, their sort of snap share, they've got similar snap shares, um, but. The problem, the, My big problem with Ramondre is that that offense absolutely stinks. It's a stinker offense. And, you know, the Browns have shown that they can have competent days, whereas I, I don't think that's really true for the Patriots. Like, e- e- even if I had, like, I, I think that within the micro bubble of Ramondre, that you are getting positive signs where he is getting the two-thirds sort of snap level. And, and and it is nice to see a, a good play from him, but in the context of like the offense stinks, and you still have questions and concerns over whether he's still like, uh, whether he's lost a step or or. And I, I I I'm not even confident enough to say that he's lost a step, but you've got you've got concerns, and with all that in the pie, like J- Jerome Ford is preferred. How yeah, how do you see it?
0: No, that's that's the same way that I feel as well. It's just the offense is too bad. Um man, I, I thought and, and I mean, I was kind of attacking the uncertainty in that offense of like where the projectable volume would go this last week. So I got to a decent amount of Ramondre. I didn't I didn't do a lot of the Pop Douglas stuff. I didn't think that that seemed I, bad. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Especially like in the dog bowl where he was going 100% drafted. And I, like, I didn't, I did click Juju one time, but not, you know, not often, but it's like, shit, just give me Ramondre, give me Hunter Henry, give me, like, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think that Pop Douglas was the way that you want to play that when he gets, you know, he's going to be drafted in every single draft there. Um, and then same with, with DFS, he got, you know, pretty, pretty steamy, like in, in high stakes, small field stuff. Pop Douglas was like forty plus percent owned, which is just—that's absurd. You know that that doesn't right. make any sense. There were lots of low dollar wide receiver plays you could have plugged in, right. that I like a whole lot better than forty percent Pop Douglas on a non-functional New England offense. So, um, right. And, and this- like just Ramondre, I think the role
1: is good. You just you you you've got concerns over his his and, and his quality right now and, and the offense. Yeah. Sorry, I, I probably said that already, but no 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 that's again.
0: that's okay. Um the uh I mean this guy had a buy ETN but like he still just pops and stands out as like this is this is why I'm like yeah ETN's my my running back too this week. Um you know when you get a guy he, his So, like, the difference between the ETN efficiency and the, uh, like, his size of his bubble compared to the Gus Edwards size of his bubble. Like, think about the plays that is making Gus Edwards' bubble inflate, and it's like he converted a touchdown where he was, like, expected to get half the points because half the time he gets in and half the time he doesn't. And he took an 80-yard little dump-off pass and got caught from behind. It's like, those aren't plays where I'm like, what a crazy talented running back. This guy's a game breaker. It's like, no, the dude fell in the end zone because the offense is super efficient and he mm-hmm. got a fluky little pass. Where on the flip side, when ETN is inflating his bubble size, it's like, dude, just house one from 50 yards on a breakaway run. Or like right. he's he's like getting chunk plays and you know just consistently getting more than what's blocked, like. Yeah, so that's that's the difference uh, and that's why it's important to have context with this data and not just look at the size of the bubble and go, Big Bubble Man, good. Me take Big Bubble <laughs> right. Man. Um, so anyway, that I have wise like, against against uh, just taking Big Bubble Man. Yeah, um, Another uh, Big Bubble Man on this chart is Jameer Gibbs. I'm really curious to see how this David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs split shakes out and to me, I've got to gotta read on this. This is more of like a – this is the uh, qualitative side of the, the analysis and not the quantitative, but i got to tell you, Dan Campbell gives me – Dan Campbell is a far superior coach to Arthur Smith before I put out any blasphemy, but Dan Campbell has Arthur Smith vibes. Right? There are some things that Dan Campbell does where you're like, man – I'd love to see more Jameer Gibbs, but you just gave David Montgomery 30 freaking touches, you know, or man, right. uh, it sure looks like Jamison Williams is winning every single route when he's on the field. Yeah, he's got some drop issues, but like, dude, have you ever considered maybe we just need to get this guy more, you know, real NFL game opportunities and, and try and just get him in the, the flow of the game, you know, like... You see some of the best coaches do stuff like that. When you've got a guy who's like, like, for example, this one always sticks in my head is like why Andy Reid is such a good coach, man. Like, I think back to the very first touch of Kareem Hunt's career and everyone is so gassed up on Kareem Hunt, his rookie season. Like he was the, you know, the late, late round drafted running back Darwin where everyone is so, so hyped on him. First touch, fumble. If that was like Bill Belichick or, I mean, I don't think Dan Campbell does it, but maybe, you know, Arthur Smith, you fumble on your first touch, you know, enjoy riding the pine for like six right. weeks minimum, right? But what did Andy yeah, I do? I can't trust you. The very next drive, he goes out and he, he gave Hunt opportunities and he ended up with a huge breakaway touchdown run. And that was the start of that big Kareem Hunt season Mm -hmm. with the Chiefs and and so to me I kind of see the Gibbs Montgomery situation and I think about how Dan Campbell treats his players and his personnel and again like I don't want to besmirch Dan Campbell's good name I think he's a really good coach but there's just like this little bit of the Arthur Smithian flavor to him where I'm like man I kind of feel like we're gonna see Gibbs Banished to the shadow realm, and and have like a DeAndre Swift type of disappearing act when he was on the Lions, where we're just all so frustrated and we can't believe that David Montgomery is doing this and icing Gibbs out again. Do you think those are reasonable concerns? How are you treating this backfield and playing it going forward? So Montgomery's practicing.
1: Uh, Don't know if he's playing this week. Uh, Definitely seems liable to to, to play this week and. I think that when they've, both been, when they've both been active, Montgomery's been the one that gets a nod. And we had the situation before where Montgomery missed the game, Gibbs got true bell cow type usage, and then Montgomery comes back and he's the bell cow again. So the usage that we've seen from Gibbs is probably not indicative of, uh, or well, that that's a bit of a weak way to put it. It's, it's definitely not indicative of, of, of what he looks like with, Montgomery comes back, and I, I I would caution against seeing it as a, like a true 50-50 once Montgomery comes back. They they really like Montgomery, and they truly pref- – like, they've said it. We prefer to see Gibbs as the change-of-pace guy with Montgomery as the bell cow. And so I guess there there is some, like, probability, like, there is some range where Montgomery comes back, and they're like, okay – uh, we like what we've seen from Gibbs and we're happy for this to be a 50-50 split now rather than the way it was before. But uh, just in in the vein of being price sensitive, I see that he his ADP is 13 in uh, on underdog. And it's like that is like not that, – that doesn't seem to be pricing that risk properly at all where like you've got a player practicing uh, that could just like Completely, like take take away his expected points, and um, that maybe, maybe that's a little bit risk averse, because I guess it, it maybe there's some chance that he still plays fifty fifty and plays really well, but I yeah uh, if it, 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 I, I my base case is definitely if Montgomery is back, Gibbs is sort of like tanked again. He's nuked.
0: I I fully agree with you, and yeah, that's I've been. uh I've been kind of feeling out, like I mentioned, with how I was doing Rashad White. Like, let me see where Rashad White goes, how how far I can get him to fall, and then let me pounce on that and fill the bags up. And I did that with Montgomery. the The market's definitely like keen to Montgomery. They're they're not letting him slide very much. He's like beginning right. in the third round, or like you know, I don't. I'm trying to remember if I saw him go like end of second, but somewhere in that range. But definitely like it probably should be flipped, right? Like. Like mm-hmm. Montgomery should probably be going like 15 and Gibbs should be going like 30, but, but right now they're, they're not correct. So um, I, I thought that was a good spot to bring up there.
1: Yeah. I agree for sure. I agree for sure. And I th- I think we can move on from this one. Right? I, yep. Let's, let's get into tight ends here. And so tight end utilization and efficiency. And so this is just, what, and what percentage of team dropbacks where is the tight end either running a route or blocking? And obviously, we want we want routes. We don't want blocking. But good to see who's on the field almost all the time, even if they're not running a route all the time. And George Kittle, normally the sort of like um, the darling for using blocks because he's almost always playing pretty close to 100% of snaps, even if his his route rate isn't what you'd like. It's his route rate is normally always really high anyway. Um, but with uh, with the injuries that the 49ers have had, his uh, he, he's obviously been leading all tight ends in a uh, route percentage of team dropbacks. Um, and his, his blocking has come in. Whereas I guess you've got David Njoku who is playing pretty close to 90% of uh, team dropbacks, but he's blocking a lot, so his routes are uh are not, not, not ideal. And I I guess this is, this is another one where it's sort of kind of stabilized uh, with maybe a couple of exceptions. Who stands out to you?
0: Uh, I mean, we, we kind of did the, uh, the tight end tier breakdown crystallization on last week's episode. So if you missed that, definitely go back and give that a listen. I feel like that was a good breakdown of the tight end landscape. Um, for me, the guy that the the market sentiment, the like public perception of this guy isn't correct, um and it's Evan Ingram. Now, granted, his A dot is like, you know, minuscule, but he's getting twenty. Think about this, man. How hyped is everyone for Dalton Kincaid now, right? Eighteen percent targets mm-hmm. per route run, four point four A dot. Evan Ingram is the same A dot basically with twenty two percent targets per route run everyone is like doing cartwheels over themselves for like, Oh my gosh, Dalton Kincaid with knocks out. It's so exciting. It's like, yeah, I mean, Evan Ingram has had target competition the whole season from, you know, Ridley and Kirk, and he's still getting that 22% targets per route run. So I feel like he is being overlooked by the market for what he is. And, the game that they had, uh, obviously they were on bye this, this last week, but the game that they had against Pittsburgh, um, it was a rainy game. So a lot of, a lot of shorter passing in that, but also I, I had heard a kind of a good analysis that I, I jived with, and I, I thought it fit for that game that, you know, Pittsburgh was able to pressure the passer and, and get there, you know, had a pretty good pass rush win rate, was able to get to the passer quickly. And so... You could look at the Jags to potentially use Ingram with his low ADOT as a way to attack and counter that, you know, quick pass rush. And so, and that really played out. You had like, what, 11 catches for Ingram in that game? And I really, truly think that that is, and another tight end that follows that similar profile is Dallas Goddard. The Eagles did the same thing when they were getting, you know, pressured quickly utilizing goddard on those you know quick little dump offs or screens to kind of beat that pass rush and so i think understanding the archetype of the tight end and like how how their bread is buttered where the team likes to use them like what you know the the adot is part of it but another part is like in, in what circumstances are they really getting those targets and then trying to play that matchup game and identifying spots where you can take advantage of that and have higher confidence so For me, Jags against 49ers, where, you know, I know that the 49ers pass rush has been a little underwhelming lately, but I think coming off the bye with the amount of talent they have in their, you know, front seven, I could definitely see this be a spot where you see the 49ers pass rush get right. And by extension, then you see this be an Evan Ingram game out of necessity. So that was one that stood out to me for this week. Um, Cole Komet also kind of flashing. He's just he's delivering spike weeks at you know a high enough frequency. Doesn't quarterback play doesn't matter. Quarterback play be damned. Cole Komet has decided he just wants to get there every once in a while. So those are the two that right away stood out to me. Did you have anybody that's popping and for so, you? Yeah. And do you like Cole Comet there,
1: where he's he's clearly, clearly in the starters. He's clearly a good target earner, So he's running lots of routes getting lots of targets um, I guess it, it 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 it's he's been there every week and and sort of ignored where Kate Otten with this like elite like uh route running and uh, his his targets for route run isn't like not ideal at only 14 percent like that that's definitely not a, ideal and um, but if you're using a sort of like Dalton Kincaid uh, comp it doesn't seem like it's not that much worse than Dalton Kincaid and he's also going pretty undrafted in uh if that's like a measure for uh, if uh, for enthusiasm for him where it's like uh, you know like that's definitely the the profile of a late round tight end that gets there where they're just running in a an absurd amount of routes and even if they're not like an elite talent, like the, the opportunity is there for them to get some points.
0: Yeah, Kate, Kate Otten, definitely a good call out. And yeah, like you said, the role hasn't changed. He's been doing this all season. It's just last week he found himself in a really good game environment right. where it just went crazy and he happened to get two of the touchdowns. So he's not a guy I'm super excited about week over week but you could certainly do worse right and uh mm-hmm. little little shout out to to Jay fresh we were we were talking this last week about the slate and he had said he was going to play some baker and kate otten and rashad white stacks and i i looked at my dog bowl exposures i had zero Kate otten and i was like i'll i'll click kate otten once or twice just to sweat with the boy and of course I mean that you couldn't couldn't have done much better than Kate Otten I mean other than having the CJ Stroud side of the game but man the Kate Otten Rashad white Baker stack was was pretty nice so uh shout out to him for getting me onto the Kate Otten. I just wish I had more.
1: Jay fresh obviously very sharp and um, I do know I know that at Dallas Goddard he broke his forearm so uh, at r.i.p and. Uh, Going probably going on i, I or hopefully we get him back sooner rather than later Um, but um, the th- disappointing news for sure
0: and i i believe um you, you'll have to correct me if i'm wrong on this if i remember right last year against the cowboys dallas goddard also had an injury that landed him on ir i want to say it was a collarbone last year or some some shoulder perhaps um I don't yeah, remember weird, but I'm not gonna
1: not gonna sweat fluky,
0: it. Weird fluky thing that uh you know plays the Cowboys, ends up on IR two seasons in a row. That play where he got tackled too, I saw the stiff arm go out that he he put out there, and then he's getting pulled down by that arm. And before he even hit the ground, I was like, Oh, this could be bad. Like he's he's gonna get full body weight of the defender. On his, I thought it might be his. El- I thought we were gonna see his elbow just full on explode. He got fortunate that it was the forearm instead, which I'm, I'm sure is a much less severe type of injury. But it just it looked bad from the from the get go on that. Um, other right. other tight ends here uh, worth mentioning, kind of like in, in the lowest of keys. Interested in Jawan Johnson. It's the the hard part for the saints is there's just a lot of guys that they're involving in the offense. Like you've, you've got, I mean, this, this last week you got Michael Thomas get bricked, Uh, you know, just total goose egg, but you know, Thomas has been involved. Olave is getting a lot of targets. Shahid is pretty much good for like minimum three, three a week. Taysom Hill is just doing Taysom Hill things. Kamara is super involved in the passing game. And now Jawan has been involved. I think he got five targets this week. And so it's like, man, I, if the offense was a little bit more condensed and, you know, maybe one of the receivers was, was getting less or Kamara was getting less, I'd be even more interested in Jawan. Cause he's last season, he flashed some upside and, and card, you know, I mean, I know Tayson threw the touchdown pass in this week, but. Uh, like he he seems like a Derek Carr type of target, um, but I don't know. Just a just a guy. I mean, probably not even worth like a pickup or anything like that. Not you're not playing him, but it's just one that I had a note on where I'm like, let me pay attention to Jawan Johnson at least and see, just because he's been out from from injury for a while. I want to see how it shakes out for him. So
1: makes sense. S- some someone to, to look at it for going forward. And same. So, same
0: with. Uh, same with Chig Same. Same kind of thing where, it, where with Jawan he wasn't involved because of injury. With Chig, he wasn't really involved because they didn't have any type of functional passing right. game. Did get a couple targets from Levis. I'm. I'm kind of curious. It right now for these first two Levis games, it seemed like Levis figured out that he could throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and that that guy's really good. And he's like, I'm gonna do that. That seems like a good idea. But I wonder if as he gets a little more comfortable in the offense and defenses realize that they should probably try and deny the DeAndre Hopkins safety blankie from Will Levis, maybe you get a little bit of chig in there. Um, Maybe the offense is just more functional. And so he's he's potentially exciting. But he's like he's on the fringe of like the starter, you know, top 12 tight ends there with. Good enough targets per route run. Good enough A where it's a guy that I'm I'm willing to look at some weeks.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. So this is the same chart, but for backups, and nothing stands out to me here. What What about you?
0: Pr- pretty much nothing. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, Taysom Hill is really like a quick just super high level overview. The Chargers tight end situation is like pretty much virtually unusable because you got Gerald Everett and Donald Parham eating into each other's work. And it's just not, not something you could really do for fantasy outside of like a showdown slate. And even then like Parham and Everett have been got, both were priced up on the showdown slate to place where I I didn't love playing either of them. Um, The guy that is the most interesting and the most fantasy relevant here is Taysom Hill um, and that's, you know, he's not even doing, it's not that he's doing it from tight end. He's doing it as a running back. He's doing it as a quarterback. He's doing it as a receiver. Um, so obviously Taysom Hill, super exciting, um, you know, great single week ceiling. Um, uh, the the thing that I'm, I mean, the way it's run out this season, he looks like probably one of the best tight end picks at cost like do you think that's fair to say just with what we know his ceiling is and like he's been delivering usable games at a way higher frequency than I think anyone would have anticipated yeah,
1: yeah 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 clearly great pick on underdog clearly great pick I agree
0: for 100% at FFPC obviously I mean even before the the quarterback change nowhere near as good of a pick because the tight end premium hurts Taysom it doesn't help him right and same, right same with DraftKings where it's full PPR. Now, granted, he has been getting some receiving work, but so much of Taysom's value comes in that he's getting like you know these goal line type packages right. for him. It's not it's from touchdowns. Catches.
1: Yeah, it's touchdowns and, and and maybe the odd breakaway run or
0: something like that. Yeah, um, but yeah, just I, I think everyone knows Taysom is fantasy relevant. We don't have to spend a lot of time on him there. And do do note that
1: at Stone Smart. Who we see on the chart he's also a uh charger yeah so we have a turd hat in the ring there to uh to really mock things
0: up i at, i did uh, i forgot end. to include stone smart but yes yeah just make making that chargers tight end room totally unusable so
1: and um, and so on to uh, onto receivers and here we have weighted targets per outrun which is like normal targets per outrun but uh, rewards targets down the field more than sort of targets close to the line of scrimmage, uh, and then fantasy points per game is is on the uh, the vertical axis, and then the the, the color of the bubble uh, represents what their route share is. So red, the ninety five to one hundred, yellow is ninety to ninety five, and green is eighty to eighty five to ninety, and so. We sort of try to look at this uh, chart in in four quadrants. The top right is, that's your uh, sort of just pure stud, playing real well, getting lots of opportunities, scoring lots of points. We love it. Bottom right is uh, positive regression candidates, where getting lots of opportunity, maybe not scoring lots of fantasy points. Uh, Sometimes that's because of a bad player or a sub-power player getting lots of opportunity, and, but sometimes it's also uh, speaks to somebody who he could have a positive regression. Top left is your sort of prime re- regression candidates, players who are scoring lots of points, but not necessarily dominating targets down the field. Now, sometimes th- that player is getting lots of short uh, yardage targets and, and, and doing quite well with them or, or getting so many of them that with a PPR that it does push their points up but a lot of the time it's just guys who caught a touchdown and they they can't catch a touchdown every week. And then the bottom left we've got the the milk carton section where they're just running cardio, they're doing routes, they're not they're uh, they're just out there having fun, but they're not getting targeted, they're not scoring points. Sort of very forgettable fantasy performances
0: yeah um in in the milk carton section guys that i'm like making a mental note on is like this player's dead for fantasy like do not draft at any price and i'm usually not a like don't draft a guy at any price type of person i'll I'll take anyone at the right price but like these guys just are not producing i don't see them producing like there's enough enough evidence that it's like i'm good i don't need it um but alec pierce darnell mooney I see no reason to ever draft either of these players for any, for any reason where you're trying to win. Like if you were doing it for a meme or something, like you could for sure take those guys, but like, don't need them. You know, they're that's right. not for fantasy points. You know, um, they're just entirely unusable. Like Alec Pierce is getting, it, Alec Pierce had all the opportunity in the world this week. It was like, you know, Josh Downs is injured. <laughs> like this you know, it's, full runway clear for him and like he can't do a damn thing. So yeah, not interested in that player at all. Um, on the positive side of things, you're seeing CD lamb uh, finally make good on my promise that he was going to be moving up into the right. Um, he is migrating into that tier of, you know, the, the best receivers for fantasy you're seeing Jacoby Myers come back down to earth a little bit. He was he was very hot, and I'm I'm thinking that a big part of that was the familiarity of Jacoby with the McDaniels system, alongside um, his quarterback having familiarity with that system, and both them being able to execute on that. Um, I don't really know that Jacoby with AOC is going to be able to even if let's just say AOC is much better than Jimmy Garoppolo, which I don't even think is asking a ton, don't know that you're going to get the kind of production that we saw from Jacoby early in the season. I think that he's more, he's closer to where he'll truly be. Um, Another guy who's regressing from what we saw earlier in the season is Adam Thielen is finally starting to catch a little bit of that negative regression he's stopped you know scoring touchdowns every single week stopped catching 10 passes every single week and uh i mean he's still gonna get targeted but what was wild to me was this week the panthers just threw the ball to a bunch of like nameless tight ends you know it's just like a bunch of random tight ends getting passes so to me, it was just like Adam. what Adam Thielen is doing is so replaceable in the offense. It's like anyone, literally anyone who is able to operate within five yards of the line of scrimmage, Bryce Young will throw the ball to. He doesn't really care. It's just like, is are you within five yards of the line of scrimmage, and you're the first person that I can see over the head of an offensive lineman? And he can't see many things over the head of an offensive lineman, so it's really just you know, blind luck if you're in that lane that he can actually see you open. Um so I, I definitely expect the trend of the Adam Thielen negative regression to continue. Um just yeah noting noting that one. I'm uh, I'm a little curious about the Chris Godwin. He's he's put up uh put up a pretty poor performance this last week. Wondering do you do you see any kind of bounce back being possible for Chris Godwin or is he just kind of like he is what he is at this point in this offense? How do you how do you view him going forward? So,
1: um sorry, give me a second. Where is he? in? The, I'm starting to find him in yeah, oh, Godwin's, He's right in the middle. He's yeah. right in the middle. Where he's in the section where he is get and I'm just understanding his usage. He he is getting targeted, but he has a pretty low A dot and he's what scoring 11 ish, twelve ish points a game. And a large part of that is just sort of like it's Baker Mayfield, not Tom Brady. So that um that I mean to say that, that it is what it is, I don't I, I re I'm really reluctant to sort of discount Chris Godwin for the rest of the year just given that we know he can be so so good but at the same time it's 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 also like well if he's an a dot player in a baker mayfield offense and there's other viable targets where it's just not going to absolutely concentrate on him it 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 does feel hard to call for like a significant increase in fantasy production for the rest of the year that that's that's sort of how i'm seeing it
0: can i hit you with a couple quick uh one v ones and you tell me just real rapid fire who you prefer so let's go yeah. chris chris godwin or tyler lockett rest of season Ooh, um probably probably still godwin okay chris godwin or terry mclaurin rest of season
1: yeah still still godwin Chris Godwin or
0: Zay Flowers rest of the season
1: as uh, Zay Flowers. Yeah, he, that 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 feels pretty comfortable in that hey, better offense. He's a rookie which make, which gives you more confidence in the second half of the year
0: even though he's already playing very well. But let's let's take a quick Zay Flowers pit stop then cuz he's had a couple of quieter games here. You think is, is he kind of the the victim of circumstance the same way that lamar has been where it's just one, yeah one that seems pretty right? fair to me
1: that seems pretty fair to me where the um the past attempts have been down when uh when they when they in large part just because they built huge leads or um you've had the yeah they, they've built huge leads so they haven't had to pass it and I guess you you do have the problem as well, is that they they want to get other players involved too. That that has been a, a problem, but I guess I, I'm if if players in the first half of the year are going to be sorry roughly neck and neck in, in terms of points, I'm always going to prefer the rookie for the second half. That's fair. Is is how I see it. How I see it. Um, but you de- definitely have some stumbling blocks there where they really want to get Odell uh, Beckham in, involved. They really want to. Um, they they have been trying to get Rashad Bateman more involved, and uh, and then Mark Andrews. He's obviously the clear alpha too. So that that definitely not like the clearest path there. But given given that they really like Zay Flowers, that um, and he has played well so far that 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 does make me think like if i if i'm trying to find a true breakout which is the main thing that that matters i'm trying to find somebody who can score 15 to 20 points every week feel the best about him achieving
0: that that's that's a very good point yeah we we don't think chris godwin's going to be putting up 15 to 20 a week but we could definitely leave a light on for zay there last yeah, yeah. comparison here Chris Godwin or Michael Pittman rest of the season. Ooh, I just have like such an anti
1: Michael Pittman bias. <laughs> um, and
0: it, it, it probably should be Pittman, right?
1: Just yeah, because- but they're
0: really they're really similar, honestly. Like they both are, uh, they're both kind of low eight dot, you know. mm Hmm. Um. Yeah,
1: but yeah, uh, that, that that's that's such a tough one for me. I'm, the, I'm, I think I'm I think the biggest
0: a, the biggest difference is that Pittman is is the clear one in his offense, and Godwin is the clear two. Yeah, but, yeah, it's. I, I think that one is close. Definitely wanted to get your uh, your stance on it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm having a hard time, man, deciding. Whereas, I guess like the the offense for Indianapolis for Pittman is it's helpful right it's it's like it's it they they um they play no huddle you it's not Anthony Richardson anymore it's Gardner Minshew, who is is that i i would see in the competent sort of backup where he keeps everything in the else in the offense going but he he's not going to carry anything either um and Pittman is the clear sort of one. He's not having to fight true uh, he's not trying having to fight through players quite the same way Zay Flowers is. But at the same time, like Zay Flowers is he, he is the better talent. Yeah, it it, 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 it I think that truly is a, a, just a tough good call. Like I think you do have more upside with Zay Flowers, but um that that's on the absolute top end of like, hey, what are the the best outcomes for Zay Flowers? Definitely look better to, than the best outcomes for Pittman, but in a, in a and probably like most of the normal scenarios, Pittman probably does a bit better.
0: I had one last receiver on this chart I wanted to talk about. I know we're we're trying to keep ourselves under two hours here. I think we can do it. So I'm going to be brief on this guy. But Marquise Brown, I mean, he's in in the quadrant of the chart that we like. He's getting good weighted targets per route run. About to get a huge quarterback upgrade, provided that you think that Kyler is, you know, gonna gonna be healthy and be able to, you know, deliver quality passes to Marquise Brown. But like I'm seeing in the dog bowl, I every time I'm like at the point where Marquise Brown would be appropriate for where I've got him projected for this week. He's like off the board. I feel like everyone and their mom is ahead of this trend and they're like, oh, Kyler's back Marquise to the moon. And so I just, right. I mean, how, do you, how do you feel about it? I mean, I think they're right to expect a jump here, but maybe the market's getting out over its skis a little bit and, uh, and just trying to be, everyone's trying to be, you know, first to the punch here and predict the big Hollywood blow up game. But what do you think about him with Kyler coming back? So it's that definitely definitely helpful
1: but at the same time he is a, his big his biggest and, and, and biggest positive and negative is that he is going to have to operate as the, the clear number 1 target in the offense. So he's going to get he's going to get the deep targets, he's going to get the short targets. He's just going to heavily heavily targeted and the offense has to sort of run through him but at the same time he that's that's not really like that's not really a skill set His he's best as like a sort of like deep threat receiver who who can who can do other stuff but best best used as mostly a deep threat receiver and um, so does does Kyler coming back help that, that definitely i mean much more than Clayton tune and um, but in the context of uh, Cutler has had the ACL injury, and he's coming off of that. How much does he help him more than Dobbs? Like, I don't want to say none at all, but it's got to be small. Given given that he's he's coming off the tear, right, and and Dobbs has sort of like played solid too. Like, I I, I don't I don't want to see a, I, I, I actually am not looking for a huge dump here. Just
0: may, maybe like a small bump. So you, you think the market might be out over their skis a little bit on the, the inflated Hollywood prices? Yeah. Wh- where are you seeing him go? I feel like I've seen him, like, early, middle, third round. Like, he consistently goes before Nico Collins, uh, which is bananas to me. Right. Right.
1: Um, where uh, Nico Collins, obviously much better offense and has been operating as a number one there and even if it didn't quite show up last week, but that yeah definitely understand that for sure like why he should go and uh, Hollywood should go after Nico and uh, who who else who else has he been, been going around
0: let me let me pull it up and uh look here. 'Cause I, I feel like he's consistently going ahead of ADP too. Right.
1: I like I'm looking at the Nico ADP or not Nico ADP, the Hollywood ADP of thirty four point nine, but based on what you're saying, that's probably yeah
0: that's probably not quite clear. But yeah, no, it's uh he, he's certainly going before that. So I'm looking at the main slate now. Uh yeah, like he's usually going in, in my drafts. Yeah, before Nico, um, like right around Cooper. Before Cooper, like around a little after Debo. Um, there's like a chunk of running backs that usually got it got, it. got there. it. So uh, not, I mean, not terribly priced up. But like, but for example, would you would you take Hollywood over Christian Kirk, or would you take Hollywood over Jordan Addison? Or no, yeah, and that's. And those guys are always available after him, you know, same with Ridley, you know. Oh, Deontay's another one. Like Deontay has an ADP higher than him. I think I got, I got like a couple different fifth round Deontay teams. It's like, what's going on here? Why, why is this guy available in the fifth? We have Hollywood going in the third. Doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense. Right. Doesn't make any sense. Um, All right. Let's move on to our next wide receiver chart here um not sure if we have any sort of like
1: i I do tank dell has been in the in the the last chart the last couple weeks now he's in the yeah he's in the real boy chart he did he graduated
0: Um, yes um and when you see that next chart um you're gonna realize how disgusting that chart is now that tank dell has graduated because it's it's pretty bleak um I guess the only thing that, that I'm seeing to talk about here is uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, where I, I wanted to ask you about him this week. Um, you, you think he's a viable play this week against that Washington pass defense? I mean, it, I think if you're playing
1: uh, Geno Smith and and JSN is going undrafted, then it, it it that seems pretty viable to me. But it's also like I I, I know you're not um I. I I'm not terribly confident that you should be just like smashing JSN over like Tyler Lockett, for example. Like I still think that uh, Tyler Lockett should go ahead of uh, – and maybe only slightly ahead of JSN. Uh, right. But we've, we've definitely – we've gotten a couple of weeks now where like the underlying trends have been better. Like he still had a 91% route share. He still got – even if they were garbage – sort of garbage time uh, – he still got six, like something like six targets, uh, despite the really small uh, low play count. So, I I definitely think the the pathway is there for like a big smash JSN game. So wouldn't would not shy away from playing him at all, in 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 sort of dog bowl stuff, and would consider starting him in a uh, in, in in redraft or managed where. You, you don't have any kind of options that you're confident in. He 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 would be a good sort of like plug and play. I think.
0: Yeah, uh, fully fully agree. I have uh, he's gone undrafted in some of the rooms I'm in. He's drafted in most, um, but usually a last round pick. I did get sniped on a JSN team one time, uh, but yeah, definitely a guy that I'm interested in. Um, I don't think that, uh, for example, I don't think DK Metcalf should be going and pick 20 and then lock it and get a center. Exactly. Yeah, 100%, 100% agree there. Uh, here's here's one that I'm, I am interested in this. And this is uh, going back to my disgusting Taylor Heineke play that you tried to talk me out of. But Drake London looks like the kind of receiver I should be pretty happy to play, right? Mm-hmm. And... I know that he missed last week with the groin injury, but I think he even got, he got like a couple limited practices in at the end of last week. I want to say, I think he got like one or two Um, still missed. So I don't think it was super serious. Sounds like he could be back this week. What do you, am I, am I crazy? If I like in the dog bowl, I'm never going to do a Taylor Heineke. I don't think I'd have to have to hit my head really hard. Um, but like I could do some Drake London maybe you think Drake London is uh is a reasonable pick here I don't think he gets let's let's pull up the London ADP But how do, how do you feel about London? Um so you
1: like his usage stuff hasn't been like messed around as much as a, as other players so like if I take out the uh, the last game, which I'm thinking had an injury, he has had a 90% route share. So n- nothing sort of funky going on there. His target spread run has still been pretty good. So um, just an average of 21%. So definitely not like elite by any means. If I take out week one, it's closer to 23%. So definitely not elite um, per route target stuff and um, far from it and, and and that's sort of reflected in uh, in this chart and um, so but on the other hand we know that when you have a uh, when you have the big Drake London in the game it it should be a pretty big game but it's definitely uh, it's definitely super thin but this the, he has a ceiling,
0: so and, and and you shouldn't ignore that. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you some of his people that are right next to him in wide receiver ADP for the dog bowl this week, and you just real quick tell me if you prefer London or the other player, Quentin Johnston. And uh, yeah,
1: it's it's London, Shahid, and. I mean, it is London, but it's also sort of close, I think, which is more an indictment of London than uh, <laughs> an endorsement. It is a small encouragement for Shahid, but uh, more, more an indictment for London. Godwin. Um, I think, uh, I think, I think that is sort of that, that might actually be, uh, be Godwin. Obj. Yeah, London.
0: <laughs> Jsn
1: not nah, so
0: J- JSN or london and pro- probably probably JSN. that's how i feel too uh i mean the rest of these i'm not even gonna like waste your time with but it's like brandon cook's michael thomas christian right Aubrey. right
1: you're you're getting in the true gross range yeah where here's here's one it's where mostly undrafted drake london if you and, and only a handful of your buddies have him and he goes off you separate that that's the play right
0: yep and I'm I'm asking you to save me some money this week. Um, go, we can we can go. Is there anyone else on this chart that you had that you wanted to talk about? Oh. Okay. So yeah, let's uh, let's go to the next one. Oh, oh okay,
1: so you're you're already there. Yeah
0: yeah. So here here's a gross one. Can I play Jamison Williams in the dog bowl? Am I allowed? Could I do like a Jared <laughs> Goff, Jamison Williams thing? Um. I, 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 I who,
1: who was it that they signed again? Didn't they they sign somebody that everyone was like, oh no, you can't play
0: Jameson Williams anymore. Oh, DPJ. Yeah. DPJ is going to take all my Jameson Williams work. Right. Um, I mean, my, my first
1: reaction to that was like whenever like you're cheering that a player was traded off an offense because they got iced out. And like it's not because they had frustrations or whatever, like or or like with the team playing badly. It's just like this guy wasn't getting the opportunities anymore. So they had to trade him out. Like that's not that's not a good sign for a player. And then (laughs) not the strongest college profile, so for DPJ. So I think that you, you you can be reasonably confident that DPJ is not good and but then you can also be a little bit concerned that like oh hey why did it why did
0: they trade for him and for me it's more the uh and i just noticed a guy that i need to axe off this chart it's more the marvin jones departure they just want depth at the receiver position was my read on the DPJ trade um but yeah i think Jamison Williams is probably not someone that I should be clicking in the dog bowl unless I'm really keen on lighting $25 on fire. But who knows? Sometimes I might might just get that itch. Um I, on this- I mean, I know you have to scroll the F down Tim,
1: but that that one that like you're saying, that one might be too too
0: galbrain. It feels a little galbrain to me. Um this chart's disgusting. There's like I had a couple receivers on this chart I was interested in. But then, you know, Daniel Jones tore his ACL and now Tommy DeVito's chucking him the ball. And so, like, Jalen Hyatt, Wondell Robinson, both were interesting to me. I mean, they're just probably toast for this season, which is a bummer. I I really like both of those players. Um, Honestly, like, Daniel Jones didn't look great. I wasn't like, oh, when Danny Dimes gets back, then it's on for Jalen Hyatt, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I, I felt better about, to Rod Taylor in there. So I've actually, I got a question for you for looking all the way to next season. It's next summer. We're drafting basketball teams and the giants tell us Daniel Jones is going to be ready for, for week one. Daniel Jones is the franchise quarterback going forward. He's going to be ready week one. He probably won't be, but like just hypothetically for this, are you interested in drafting Wandale Robinson or Jalen Hyatt? If Daniel Jones is the quarterback for that team? I think I'm still interested in
1: Wandale. and um, just because it's obviously been a, a couple of like sort of like mini lost seasons for him, but uh, at, at this point, still feel good enough about his talent, and um, and the fact that he will be an 18th or, or or later round pick next year, and at that price, still I I, I think he'll he'll still be pretty yeah uh, pretty viable. That's fair.
0: Yeah. I guess, I guess for me, it's, it really depends on what their backup quarterback situation is because I I doubt you actually get Danny Dimes to start the season. And so, and I do like Wandale, the player. So, yeah, if it's, if we're getting 18th round Wandale, I guess I'm still in. The only, so for me, the, the reason this chart is so gross is because there's just like no one, like even, even as like coming on as a potential late season breakout, it's just, You know, maybe Zay Jones gets healthy and comes back and and can deliver some spike weeks. Maybe the Chiefs decide that Rashi Rice deserves more snaps. I mean, maybe Curtis Samuel gets healthy and has a couple more usable weeks. But, like, when those are the bright spots on the chart, like, I think... Right. Yeah, we... uh, we're.
1: We're a little late in the season for uh, any any more true um, graduates. I, I'm I'm still holding a light out for uh, Rushy Rice, and still think he's
0: played well enough to, yeah, to graduate. He, but he looks he looks good. It's just the uh, the Chiefs got to be willing to to put him on the field. I think they're getting to the point where they almost don't have a choice, right? Like you you have to like if they're I think maybe going into their bye – Hopefully they do a little self scouting in their wide receiver room, and they're like, "This mekel Hardman shit." Like, <laughs> we were we were ready to be done with it, and then we brought the guy back because right. that's just pretty in the good that they free. need help. Yeah, you got it. You got to think that Rice earns more snaps. I don't know. I, I that's the one I'm most excited for on this chart. But anyway, I agree, not, I agree for sure. Yeah, don't don't need to spend too much more time
1: here. I just want to bring up uh, one comment that I I feel guilty about missing is um Andrew said Dawson and has had stacked some nice games. Are you viewing it as a cell window? And the pretty clear answer for me is yes. Like his um his his underlying usage with sort of like 18 to 20 percent targets per run, and then eh, somewhere like his his a dot hasn't been that high either, and 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 then he's happened to catch a touchdown. So to me, that sort of suggests that eh, you know, like he he has scored some points, but the underlying usage is still it's still not supporting where you got him and eh, where where you dropped him. So, it like I said, it's always price conscious, but definitely feels like a sell window for Dotson for me. W- what do you think?
0: Yeah, 100%. Would like in a, in a redraft league, I'm trying to sell Dotson for whatever I can. Maybe it, it, the way that I would be trying to do it is like, let me package Dotson with something else that's shiny and it looks good enough that I can go and, uh, and upgrade a piece to to someone that's a an even better piece that's the way that i would play it makes that makes sense for sure
1: and i i I think we're finished up here but is anyone else you wanted to
0: no i i think that's it and uh we came in slightly over two hours this week we're we're trying to do a tight two hours with uh you know pipe dreams of a tight 120 yeah someday um but anyway, for, for everyone that stuck with us here live and you made it all the way to the end, uh, we appreciate you and your viewership. Hope we gave you some alpha that you're able to apply this week in your DFS, your underdog drafting, your season-long leagues. Um, but until next Tuesday, uh, we will we will see you then. Good luck, everybody. See you next Tuesday, everyone.